0: Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I'm glad to be here. Today has been a very sleepy day for me. We're recording on a Saturday night. I woke up this morning at somewhere in the realm of like 9 30 or 10 and then stayed in bed playing video games until like about 1 p.m which rocked. Oh, yeah. It was the best.
1: I hate that my first thought was that's very strep throat behavior. I got strep <laughs> a lot as a kid. Brought me right back.
0: It was strep throat behavior. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, right now it's it's like we're about to hit a very cold week in Chicago. Mm. And it's been like snowing slash raining for the past few days. And it's about to transition from like low 20 degree weather to single digit weather.
0: In a oh, few days. no. Uh,
1: so, yeah, I'm, I'm also going to plan on many video games in
0: the future yeah what 400 hour rpg have you (laughs) downloaded to prepare for that (laughs) exactly hunker down and play persona 5 royal again yeah for the third time yeah
1: i guess i guess royal (laughs) would be second but you know i've already played persona 5
0: yeah you could play one and two finally I would love, I think, th- here's the thing. I actually do
1: want to play both twos. There are two twos, not to get too into it. Right, yeah. And I don't really care about Persona 1, but I'm like, if I've played all of them except for one, then I have to also play one.
0: That was my thing with Dragon Quest a couple weeks ago. Yeah. was like, <laughs> exactly. I just have to rip yeah. the Band-Aid off. I just have yeah. to do it. Like, I'm g- if I want to play all of them, I can't just leave out the ones on the Game Boy. Yeah,
1: I'll see if I really feel compelled to play SMT if, but, you know, <laughs> at least play all the Personas. Anyway, we had some updates we wanted to share with all of you yeah so i just wanted to revisit the subject of ads so in the last few episodes we've mentioned how on our merch store and to the cast that online you can click on advertising and there you can buy a personal ad for 50 dollars, which is just like birthday shout outs whatever you know stuff like that and then commercial ads for 200 dollars are like if you want us to plug something you're working on small businesses stuff like that
0: your podcast your youtube channel your tiktok account exactly
1: so So the plan right now is to give patrons of at least the $10 tier an ad-free version of the show, but we wanted to clarify with them, like, does that mean also personal ads? So we're just working that out. I think the plan right now is to keep the personal ads and exclude the commercial ads, but just to kind of be blunt, like this is all so new to us before we like officially set anything in stone. We just wanted to feel it out, see how it works for all of you, how it works for our patrons and how it works for us before we set anything in stone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think expect personal ads to maybe start next week uh, is the idea. Yeah. Um, but before that, for patrons, there's going to be a poll that you can just go click on and say if you want personal ads in the feed or not. The 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 ad free version of the feed will definitely not include commercial ads, but uh, just need to clarify the personal ad thing first and then we'll be good. We've gotten a couple of responses and thank you to the people who who sent in those responses. It's really helpful. We just want more before we make that decision. So thank you in advance.
1: It's been under a month, I believe, since we have sold out. So we're just waiting to see (laughs) how how things play out. Yeah. But thank you all for your patience and we'll keep you posted, obviously. Cool. Cool. I know you had some game related
0: updates. I have video game related updates. Number one, we published last week's episode where I talked about Pokemon Unbound and immediately received about 500,000 notifications from people letting us know. A thing that Honestly, I'm amazed neither of us remembered, but that whole bit that I did, the story read of the beginning of Pokemon Unbound, like the way that game opens with the endless war and the king and all that kind of stuff, that's pulled right from Pokemon X and Y. that's like the the guy who has the Flotette, the little flower pokemon you've seen them even if you don't play pokemon you've seen the meme of the guy holding the little flower pokemon and he says it's been three thousand years or whatever it is that's az and fla bebe yes
1: um <laughs> or i think it's it's the evolution of fla bebe but yeah i i just completely blocked that out of my memory me too I like <laughs> you could either remember the guy who wants to kill everyone because they're not fashionable enough or that story you can't remember both the human brain wasn't built <laughs> To retain both stories,
0: I, th- I think it which of those two things you remember, I think, uh, illustrates if you're a left or right brain person. It's the new version of the Myers Briggs <laughs> test. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ENFJ. I remembered
1: everything except A Z. Yeah, uh, yeah. ENFJ, <laughs> no A Z, basically.
0: Yeah, I, I I completely forgot about that. Um, I mean, I remembered A Z, and I remembered that it's been however many thousands of years thing. But man, I for the life of me could not remember what was going on in that dude's life you know thousands and thousands of years ago (laughs) and if you had I i i was i was surprised to find that the pokemon unbound story is trying to is trying to not only canonize but like make any sense of what's going on with az because that was a character they introduced and then just completely dropped in future games maybe that happened in the anime maybe there's like anime stuff about him i have no idea i haven't watched the anime but as far as i know from playing the mainline pokemon games AZ has gone unrevisited. So shout out to Pokemon Unbound for trying to make sense of nonsense.
1: I, I think the fact that Pokemon Unbound is pulling from the canon illustrates two things to me mm. one is that every pokemon has like a buck wild story happening in the distance somewhere yeah. but rarely does it come to surface at least right away not usually in the opening mm. and the other is that pokemon unbound is much more faithful than we probably assumed yeah. like we were talking about how a lot of ROM hacks tend to be kind of like dark and gritty and they try to make pokemon into like a more adult kind of thing yeah and Unbound wasn't really doing that. Other than the gym full of people smoking weed, there really isn't anything. (laughs) It's like pretty on brand. Yeah. It just it just wouldn't open with that. I guess is the big difference.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, right. You're just an 11 year old who needs to go deliver a package usually, <laughs> yeah. and that is what happens. But it's they don't tell by you what's in it, but you have to deliver <laughs> a package. That's right. Yeah, you're you're delivering a sketchy package to the to the weed gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What could it be? So, thank you for the notes about that. Honestly, I lost my mind uh, discovering that fact for myself. So. Shout out. Uh also, Pokemon Unbound continues to be great. That's a game I'm still playing and enjoying a lot. I'll I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll revisit it and bring it to the show again when I've played more of it. I will also give a shout out to our friend Chase from Video Game Podtimism. They, weirdly enough, also talked about Pokemon Unbound in their last week's episode, which is oh, cool. a wild bit of fate, I think, aligning. They record or sorry, they released that episode the day we recorded ours, which is even weirder to me. Is like the universe on that Sunday specifically was really interested in Pokemon Unbound. Found.
1: Two different packages for two different professors, you know. Just <laughs> a Wingull and a fire in the sky passing each other in the night.
0: Which one are you gonna use your master ball on, Steven?
1: Wingull, definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that quadruple weakness to electricity. <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear more about Pokemon Unbound, you can go listen to that episode of video game podtimism, or stay tuned when I bring it back eventually. Um, yeah, I definitely want to play it. I'm excited to eventually get to it myself. It's so good. I forgot to send it to you. I'll send it to you. So there's that. The other thing that like just has to be mentioned at the top <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, this is more of like a confession. So if you if you haven't listened to the show for very long, if you like joined on with the new Godie episode and you're here and you're kind of like new to the Aether, there's an interesting thing about our podcast. Uh, which is completely out of our control and is totally in the hands of the Aether, which is sometimes we say things on the show as a bit or just we talk about a thing on the show and it for some reason becomes real or manifests itself in reality in some way that we're not expecting. I think a great example of this is uh, a couple weeks ago we were talking about completely on a whim the Sims busting out and Malcolm Landgrab being... (laughs) the 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 arch villain of that video game, which like four days later, Maxis and EA decided to open up a pop up where you could go visit Malcolm (laughs) Landgrab's realty (laughs) estate firm in real life for some reason things like that just keep happening to us
1: yeah i try to remain the skeptic because usually it's like okay there's already a big interest in this we're not the only ones who are excited for like a new zelda or something like usually it's like there's already percolating interest we're joining in the choir and then something comes out or something happens yeah but sometimes it's beyond explanation like Land grab fucked up. Uh also was so Portal weird. was the one where I actually got a little <laughs> afraid. Cause like yes. we just like there was no portal news, nothing portal in the air. We decided Portal and Portal 2 were gonna be our bonus episode for that month. And then like the next
0: day, Portal got ported to switch. It was unbelievable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was like, like even
0: just if you you look, go to a place where you bet money on horses. And tell them that Valve Computer Entertainment is gonna release a video game for the Nintendo Switch, and everyone would be like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) We only take bets on horses, first of all. And second of all, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, And yet it happened. The companion collection, announced and released for the Nintendo Switch. Unbelievable that that happened. So, this week's uh, unbelievable gift from the Aether is I've been bringing Golden Sun to the show for the past couple weeks, and. Literally, I'm out I'm out at dinner with our friend Alana, who's been on the show before. I'm talking to Alana about how much I love Golden Sun. I get on the subway, and I'm playing Golden Sun on the subway home, and I'm in a tunnel. And when I get out of the tunnel, I get about 400 notifications and text messages from people in my life telling me that while I was in that tunnel, Nintendo announced Golden Sun for the Nintendo Switch. And not only that, but they also announced Golden Sun The Lost Age, which is pretty wild because the, they had announced about 10 months ago, that Golden Sun was going to be released for the Game Boy Advance like Nintendo online thing
1: it was planned already so that makes yes. it a little less creepy
0: right yes yeah. they they had announced that it was coming but I f- it was like literally I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I came on the show and I was like why haven't we heard about this it's been 10 months and the answer is we've heard about it and it's been exactly 10 months <laughs> uh, but coming with the lost age I think is great so if just a quick 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 recap but Golden Sun originally in development for the N64 and then while they got towards the end of development uh nintendo was like hey Sorry, Camelot, but the GameCube is coming soon. Maybe you want to pivot your strategy here. So then they completely reshifted the game to be in development for the Game Boy Advance. Instead, realized that the story that they had scoped out for the N64 was too big for the Game Boy Advance. Split it into two games, and that's why you have Golden Sun and Golden Sun the Lost Age. They're really one game, I think, in a lot of people's minds. Everybody who's played both of them is like, it's one game, especially considering the first game, for what I know and have heard, kind of ends on a cliffhanger, and you should just play the second one. So so in between those two games when you're done with one of them uh, you have to enter in like a long string of code to port your save over from the first game to the second game and I think the thought in the like Golden Sun fandom was like if they port both of these games to Nintendo Switch maybe they'll make some way of making that easier and there seems to be some confirmation that is the case so the way the way it works and this is wild I haven't reached this myself but I, I learned this recently and I feel like you would love this also when you're done with Golden Sun and you go to pick up Golden Sun the stage they ask you if you want to import your save which i remember from when we played that for the game boy advance Um, but i ignored it because i didn't have a save to import but if you click yes i would like to import this save they ask you if you want to import a bronze silver or gold level save and what that means is if you do bronze it's like 10 characters long and you import like some of the stuff that you had from your old game if it's silver it's like 20 or 30 characters long and you know it takes a long time because you're using the game boy advance like you're using a keyboard on the Game Boy Advance. It's a nightmare. And if you do a gold level save, it's 100 characters long. <laughs> and you import everything you had. And, and it, it accounts for every decision you made and everything that you found into Golden Sun the Lost Age. Okay, now I want a
1: GBA demake of the Mass Effect trilogy and same rules for like, <laughs> okay...
0: Rex is going to die unless you enter this correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a bronze level save means no Rex ever. (laughs) (laughs) You have to hit silver if you you want Rex. Sorry, Miranda. I don't remember that. I didn't enter the save properly. I love that. I love I love that they did that uh, with those games. I think that's very funny. But apparently there's some there's something that makes it easier in the version that is going to be coming out. Actually, by the time this episode is out, Golden Sun will be out on the switch already, which is great. Cool. Um, But I'll be curious to see how long it takes for somebody to confirm or deny that that is actually true, because I think the Nintendo of Japan account tweeted out that they made something like that easier. The other thing that they added, which is wild and I don't think worked initially, but now does, is you can play multiplayer battles also yeah but online against other people which is so cool i know we've been saying for years finally <laughs> competitive
1: golden sun between you and me but i would love to play that sounds too weird to not do right i would love that would yeah. that be
0: really fun yeah i'm excited and and there's a piece so i'm i'm 12 hours into golden sun at the moment on the game boy advance playing on my miu mini plus and i'm like do i just start Start over over. again on the switch because that's just going to be it's going to be a good experience i love the switch the thing is i'm i'm Torn between the portability of the Miyu Mini, which like fits in my pocket and is great on the subway and the Nintendo Switch, which is the Nintendo Switch and has like one of the most beautiful screens I've seen on a device ever in my whole life. Uh, The OLED version specifically. Uh, I can't decide between the two, but I'll I'll probably end up playing it on the Switch if I was to guess.
1: Yeah, I think 12 hours isn't a big. It sounds like a lot, but in an RPG, that's basically like you got out of the house and bought a potion.
0: I'm just under halfway through the video game the first one also i am ima- does the mini mini let you fast forward at all uh it does and rewind and have save states but also you got save states on the switch version
1: yeah okay cool so i guess you could re you could fast forward and, and try to catch up a little bit there yeah but, uh
0: yeah that's the thing i think I'm- i might finally i
1: think i might go back to it on switch now that it's out i think this feels like the time yeah. for me to revisit
0: it man 2024 the year of Golden Second Sun. chances. The year of Golden Sun. Sorry, the year of Second Chances. You're right. The year, of, yeah, just specifically Golden Sun. <laughs> Fuck Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's Dude, all about Golden Sun. Dragon's Dogma 2? Get out of here. <laughs> Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. No thank you.
1: I can't believe in our Goody episode when we're like, what are you excited about for next year? And I was like, nah, I'm good. Nothing. And I like totally forgot. Dragon's Dogma is coming out in March. Dragon's Dogma 2. Yeah. I just watched the Sphinx. Have you seen the Sphinx video?
0: Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Can you explain to people what happens in the Sphinx video?
1: I feel like... If I do, you'll have more questions, but I'll help you out. (laughs) So so Dragon's Dogma, for those who don't know, is uh, a game that I think you and I started to love almost like ironically and then became more and more sincere the longer we did the show.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: It is very much like, came out in 2012, Capcom game, sort of a super group of people who have worked on Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Mm -hmm. and it's essentially like the weird third pillar of big open world RPGs from the early 2010s where like I feel like you have Skyrim being like this massive mainstream hit that sort of represents like the open world checklist game we've come to get a little bit sick of but was like the formula for so long Mm. then you had Dark Souls of course which is in its own way its own blueprint for many other games and then there's dragon's dogma which is like (laughs) i feel like we've only just now started to see some of dragon's dogma's influence in games like Elden ring and i'm sure there are more but like i feel like i've just heard more praise for that game even just in the time we've been doing this show like i hear more people just like confidently sharing their love for dragon's dogma without hesitation in the last like three or four years yeah but uh so the sequel's coming out and it looks incredible. It it very much looks like Right now, my gut feeling is like, what if Elden Ring was a little bit arcadier? Is sort of the energy I'm getting.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah.
1: But what makes Dragon's Dogma so special, other than the bizarre pawn system, which I can't possibly explain on top of the Sphinx interview, is uh, <laughs> it's one of those games where like it's truly open, and it's so open that it might even feel like slightly unfinished or unpolished. But there's something about its openness. That makes it feel like a living world you know yeah. it's the kind of game where your curiosity might lead you literally down a well and then there are like end game level creatures in that well <laughs> and you'll just have to know like okay i don't go down there and like leaving town at night is actually dangerous mm-hmm. like when when your pawns and and townspeople say like don't leave the road at night it's not just flavor text yeah it's like, not
0: minecraft it's not just like i'm gonna run from spiders until the sun comes up and then they go away it's like no there's there is a wraith who will shoot you with magic from 14 miles away if you are yeah. outside <laughs> exactly
1: yeah so it was an ign video called dragon's dogma 2 get to know the sphinx and they were just talking about how much there is that's just completely optional like we're like they're like we're highlighting the sphinx and it's something we put a lot of work into but it has nothing to do with the main story at all. <laughs> <laughs> which is like that's the most dragon's yeah. dogma thing you can say those are that was music to my ears as soon yeah. as i heard that i was so excited yes but yeah it's like it's this Horrifying like Junji Ito esque Sphinx that uh, you have to like like the myth of Oedipus, like talk to and 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 answer a riddle. Otherwise, like it becomes a really hard boss fight. And they said even the fight itself is a riddle, which is so cool. Um <laughs> and that's like all all I know about the game is that like with the trailer they showed and the Sphinx. And I just cannot wait for it. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm so stoked for Dragon Dogma 2. It's amazing yeah. how front loaded this year is and I am so concerned about what the rest of the year is going to be like. On one Hand, but on the other hand, the beginning half of the year is so front loaded that, like, we will just be playing all of those games for the entirety of 2024. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. Persona 3 Reload, I might just put on hold until the Switch 2 comes out, <laughs> just in the event that it comes out for the Switch 2. What a thing to
1: say! Even last year, if I heard you say that, I would be like, Excuse me, yeah, I might put the Persona 3 remake on hold for the Switch 2. That's like seeing Minecraft Steve and Smash in 2008.
0: Like, yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> have you heard that Minecraft Steve is the most powerful character in smash ultimate and is in danger of being banned from tournaments
1: (laughs) i also feel partially responsible for that somehow
0: yeah that that also that was another one where people kept pinging us when (laughs) i oh because i think it was like in 2018 we had a bit that was like adding minecraft steve to smash ultimate should be fair that it was a rumor at that time oh speaking of rumors and the switch too uh it's also worth just noting that game shark has renamed their company to AI Shark and they accidentally leaked the Switch 2's release date is September. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've, they've since said that it's just like speculation on their part but like they said it in a way I, I i'm not gonna pull up the exact quote but they said it in a way that implies they like actually know when it's probably coming so just get ready for that i'm expecting if i if i was to put money on it right now i'm expecting a march reveal similar to the switch one and then a fall 2024 release kind of exactly what happened with the switch one
1: yeah but i'm honestly kind of excited that this year's lineup is more up in the air because one i think like it gives us more time to prep for gamecube and like just kind of really yeah. follow our own curiosity but i also i mean aj mentioned how they want to spend like or make a more active effort to check out indie games and i think the same is true for me Like, but you know i'd, I'd like to use whatever platform we have to like boost things that have a really small audience you know
0: yeah go play astral ascent exactly exactly, exactly right sphinx man dude the sphinx the switch Two, golden sun pokemon and ads and ads <laughs> can't wait to figure that out what an episode uh, what a podcast we have here <laughs> chef's kiss
1: and why don't we take a break uh get a glass of water or something and move on to the next game we have
0: here oh i'm excited to hear about all the climbing you've done i've done a lot of climbing bye-bye brendan hello i have been playing a game called jesso
1: recently. Mm. I hadn't heard about this game until somewhat recently. Uh, AJ brought it up on our Goaty episode. So it was on their list. And I started seeing it for the first time when I was telling up all the results from the Discord poll. And uh, it was honestly one of the more popular, like it didn't make the top five of the Discord, but it was one of the more popular entries in that poll. Um, so it's been on my mind for a while. And uh, I finally, finally did it. I downloaded it off Game Pass. And I'm about halfway through. It's a very short game. It's like, four to five hours. Oh, nice. And why have uh, I played this? What? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's fantastic. Uh, So the premise of the game is you're this person who the story is very minimal and most of it is just visual, Uh, but you arrive in a very like beautiful, but sad, kind of like Mad Max. What was once an ocean is now kind of a desert and you're approaching this like tall tower in the distance. And the game is all about climbing. So I've heard people compare it to Death Stranding, except rather than carrying packages, you're climbing. Uh, I think that's not a bad comparison because the way it works when you're climbing is you use the shoulder buttons to control like what you're physically grabbing onto. So it's not... Unlike Uncharted or Tomb Raider where like when Nathan Drake or Lara Croft are climbing on something, they'll stick out their hand to like what's possible to be grabbed. Mm, Yeah. But in this case, like it's almost I wonder if this game is in VR. I feel like it has a similar like look to it where like you're using the joystick to move the arm around and if there is anything to grab the character will move it around and then when you pull down the shoulder button they'll grab whatever it is on the wall and keep climbing. Mm. I feel like the central mechanic alone I could see having like a huge splash effect on any game that has climbing from now on like i just feel like it's it's such an immersive way to interpret climbing because i think you know we're we're used to how uncharted and tomb raider do it and i think now the stamina bar in breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom has also kind of become like common game vocabulary. Yeah. And having like following up on those two styles of of design, of game design for climbing and making it like a little bit more in the player's control, I feel like is a brilliant idea that's kind of been in front of us for a while, but no one's like
0: done it yet. Really committed to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think like that alone is is a huge success of the game. But to give a bit more about how that works, um, so you're be you'll be climbing, but Every, like, it's not concretely divided into levels, but there are specific areas and there are also chapters and there are, like, little whimsical moments of story. And there are sort of what resemble levels where you'll be climbing from one part of the mountainside to another and then there's, like, a checkpoint of some kind. And usually when you begin climbing, your rope will, like, automatically attach to a nearby, uh, like, hole in the wall. So if you do fall down, you won't fall... Past that point. Yeah. Honestly, this is maybe a weird note, but I almost wish the game was less forgiving with that because I don't want it to be like fully getting over it with Bennett Foddy, but I feel (laughs) like it would be even more immersive to have that like oh my god if I if I let go here I have to do all of this again or yeah. like I'll lose this progress like I'm I, I don't know if that's fully what they were going for because I think overall the game has kind of a zen feel to it mm. um it actually reminds me a lot of eco in terms of just like the minimal design and sort of the sound of the these open places and this remnants of like you know houses where people lived and some machinery uh as you explore and climb the mountain you'll find like journal entries of people who used to to live there and and it's said pretty explicitly that like the ocean dried up and everyone left Mm. and it's not quite clear why the the player character is climbing this tower but you also have this strange blue minion uh with you uh banana (laughs) (laughs) i knew that was gonna happen (laughs) uh they can let out like a a song and that will sometimes cause plants to grow and you can start climbing them too oh that's cool so In the first, like, early areas, you're basically just, like, you know, rock climbing, but then eventually you can use that mechanic to create vines and stuff to start climbing, Uh, and then There's one part, my favorite part of the game so far is uh, there are these like beetles that come out of a hole in the mountainside and you can grab onto those and then they like walk and move you up. And I like let out a small laugh and so did the character. Oh, this is so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I love this. I I, I love when games have the confidence to recognize like what moments are going to land really strongly. Totally. And then they start to like... So I think early on I had this feeling of like, this is really cool and I'm enjoying the central mechanic and I love the look of this game and, and the the eco energy of it all. But I, I wanted it to be a little bit higher stakes, but they do ramp up the difficulty a bit where once you get to where I'm in the game, I'm on chapter three. You enter kind of like a, a very, um, the sun gets very intense and it's more of like a canyon area. So when you summon vines and stuff, uh, they will eventually dry out. So Mm -hmm. like they'll only be there for a few seconds. You actually have to make sure you're climbing faster to get to the next point and then maybe like use the song again so there's a lot more variables happening I think the game wants to really make sure you're confident with the central mechanics before they start like adding timers and stuff because you're also managing your stamina bar which I haven't had a case yet where I've run out of stamina but I'm sure I will soon right because like the way it works is like it's kind of just going down as you climb but if you if you find yourself in like a spot where you can just like catch your breath you can uh, push the left joystick and you'll like regain your stamina up to a point where like if you've been climbing for too long like your max stamina will be less than it usually is mm, Yeah. you also have uh pythons that you can put into the wall that will like extend where your rope is going to and sometimes to get to the next area you have to be really creative with like not just following a set path but like jump put a python in in the wall and then like run across the side of the mountain and, and jump and hope it works out so all of that is really cool and there's also like a ton of secrets where if you just spot something that catches your interest you can try to get there and usually there will be some type of like glowing altar or something that suggests that like maybe there are these mythical beings on this tower and and what i'm assuming is the case is that this creature that can summon plant life back temporarily if we can get to the top, we can potentially bring the water back or mm. something like that. My one, it doesn't detract from the experience, but my the one thing about this game that I don't feel is as successful as the central mechanic and just the look and, and level design of it all is that-
0: Is it that Gru keeps showing up? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, sorry. You can you find these journals of, of people who used to live there and yeah. their correspondence with each other. And it's well written, but I feel like- to me, it almost makes it less interesting to kind of have things said like directly. Like I much prefer just finding a little home that's been like carved into the side of the mountain where people used to live rather than finding a journal that's like, I wonder where the water went. You, you know, know what? This like, reminds
0: me so much of Stray in so many ways, including this point in yeah. particular. Like Stray yeah. is a game neither of us really connected with. And the the big reason that I stopped connecting with it was this whole idea of you're going to play as a cat in the cyberpunk future and you're just going to have to like kind of wordlessly and using the uh the toolkit that an actual cat has in real life you know make your way through this world and then like they give you the ability to talk to npcs and they give you a gun and all this other stuff (laughs) but like specifically it like the gun was silly and that was like kind of the nail in the coffin for me but the first real sign of like this is not what i wanted from this game was when you have the robot companion who can talk to other npcs was like that it removed the charm of the game for me a little bit and it it sounds really similar to this in a way um yeah honestly i i think with Jassant though i am interested enough in the world just based on what you've told me that i think i would probably find that stuff fascinating so i could see that working better for me
1: it's also optional like you don't have to read that stuff if you don't want to and it's well written it's just a matter of like to me, I find it to lack the confidence of the rest of the game where I think like I, I wish the and maybe that will change. Like I haven't discovered all of them. I'm only halfway through. So maybe like there are some really cool revelations that are only in those writings, but I feel like it's kind of reverberating what's already been communicated visually. Mm. So that's where I'm like, I don't I didn't need you to like say it again. Right. Because then to me, that reads is like you're not trusting the player to internalize what you're showing them.
0: Yeah. Have you seen other people? Not yet. Yeah, it's just me and my blue minion. who Even at bananas. the beginning, like in the beginning of the game, you're just like climbing. There's no it's like, just you. here's the village elder sending you off on your adventure or anything.
1: No, as far as I can tell, I'm the only person there. Wow. Which I think is why they probably want to include those journals you can find just yeah. to give a sense of interaction. And what mm-hmm. I love and what what really like brought eco to mind initially is whenever you leave the game, when you come back, your character is just kind of like sitting wherever you left off. I love that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the couch save points in eco where like, there's this feeling that the, and that's a game. I mean, all, all the team eco stuff, you know, their, their design philosophy of design by subtraction, like they purposely have as little dialogue as possible because nothing could be, as important as what you're imagining is being said between the characters. Yeah, you know, like there's almost an implication in Eco where when you save and you go and live your life when you're not playing Eco, you're kind of imagining what they're talking about in in those mm. in between times. And it's like rather than making that a cutscene, they just made that your real life, which is <laughs> like a truly wild thing for a video game to do. And yeah. why I love that game so much. Oh my god,
0: just the best song in my opinion. Yeah. The best song in a video game is yeah. the sa- is the the bench save point song in ICO which is called Heal and there is a 10 hour version of it uploaded to YouTube which I have listened to for maybe over 10 hours this week. <laughs>
1: yeah um i think just a great game I, I definitely am glad i checked it out i can see why so many people were so enthusiastic about it i
0: think you would like it a lot i think you'd have a great time yeah, i'm gonna love it yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. play that on game pass probably x cloud i think uh in bed i think it's gonna be a good time hell yeah although there is something now that I now that i say that out loud i regret a thing i haven't even done yet i think so I'm not gonna play it in bed. I think I'm gonna play it on a TV because I think you need the grandeur of a big TV.
1: Yeah, I I think also yeah, I think for this game specifically, because it's it's so about the climb and about using the shoulder buttons. Like you definitely want a controller and you definitely want to play it on the TV. Yeah, uh, it is on, it looks like it's on windows, uh, PS five and Xbox. So it's probably good on steam deck too. I could see actually that could be fun on steam deck with the shoulder buttons. But yeah, I think this is a, I think this is a specifically non handheld game.
0: Mm, okay. Free your hands for the Rocky climb, Brendan. Yes. Uh, but if they do add it to the meta quest three, I would play that
1: yeah this in vr would be fascinating i think yeah i think that would be really interesting it, it would be weird to have it be first person because you'd just be staring at a wall like that was my first question when that's um it isn't
0: up. that exactly what that uh horizon zero dawn spinoff game for psvr 2 was wasn't that i'm called, not sure i think it was called call of the mountain and i think it is kind of that i wonder how that is anyway yeah, i think just would be cool
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think it'd be cool in vr dude virtual reality yeah I, I'm I'm enjoying it greatly. I'll definitely see it through probably in the next couple of days. Awesome. I'll bring it up again if I have like anything dramatically new to share, but I, I can't imagine my opinion will change too much. I'm having a great time with it. Yeah, I'll bring it up if I play it also. Yeah, please do. I would love to talk about it with you. Cool. Uh, let's take a break. How does that feel? I would love that. I, I don't want to jinx it because we say it often and then the listener can see the runtime, but I think this actually might be a short episode. We'll see what happens.
0: All right. Uh we only take bets on horses here. Sorry. <laughs> and we are back. Wow. I really felt like a musical cue there. I don't that know. That was why. great. Yeah. I, <laughs> I
1: so I often forget and this is this is not meant to be an insult, but I forget that we went to high school together because we just weren't <laughs> as close back then. (laughs) And I just saw another life where we did theater together and it was beautiful.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I think for you, the having done theater is a little more on the surface than it is for me. Mm. I think, I think the fact that I have a history, like being in plays and musicals is a little bit buried. Not that I'm ashamed of it at all. I loved that stuff. And I was so mad That I wasn't allowed to be in theater and on the swim team at the same time. That made Uh, me so upset, but that was why I had to stop. uh, Because I hated swimming, but it was the only thing I was even remotely good at. Because I, I, to be (laughs) clear, was not very good at acting. (laughs) But I liked doing it more than I liked swimming. Uh, But I was like, one of these things will look good on the college resume for me. Meanwhile,
1: I played every sport and all roads led to theater. Because I think the only... (laughs) The only sport I played that I enjoyed at all was soccer, and that was mostly just because I liked running and I liked the fall, Mm. both of which are only indirectly related to the (laughs) sport itself uh so the stage called
0: i really know what you mean though about soccer yeah i also weirdly enjoyed soccer because it was in autumn yeah
1: i've always had a good experience with guys who are really into soccer just people in general everyone like, <laughs> who's like yeah. a soccer jock is a good egg i feel
0: yeah i remember uh when i when i first went to college in the dorm room you know on like day three when people had like started to meet each other I remember walking down the hall. My my floor in particular uh, was really, really tight knit for some reason. We were on the fifth floor, the top floor of the freshman dorms, and none of the other floors are really tight knit. Like nobody really cared about it. But everyone on the fifth floor, like all doors open policy at all times. And if you went down in one direction, uh, because it was kind of like a V, if you went down in one direction, one end of the V, there were always people playing Magic the Gathering. If you went Down the other way. Sorry, if you went to the middle section, that's where people were like playing Minecraft and Halo and just like whatever was happening on like the main common room television. A bunch of people just like hanging out and like building little arts and crafts because it was art school, et cetera, et cetera. But if you went down to the other side of the V, that was the FIFA zone. It was a bunch of people playing FIFA. Hell yeah. And I loved that it was like, pick your poison baby like you can hang out in one of these three places that's the most fifa i've ever played in my life was like being introduced to fifa by those dudes who played fifa in that corner of of the fifth floor fifa was an excellent
1: like college icebreaker like there's a similar mm-hmm. thing in my dorm where like i just we just had the doors open and people would be playing switch or not switch <laughs> i am not that young Could you imagine uh, we were playing the Wii, I have a great
0: idea and i keep <laughs> pitching it to nintendo stop!
1: stop playing magic imagine if you could take it with you it's <laughs> shit man i'm tapping mountains all right you have you have stuff planned for today <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm, you don't want to talk about what college was like in theater <laughs> i uh i
1: had a we and we played warrior wear a lot continue <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah actually just dance was the big one for us yeah yeah anyway FIFA, uh, that's the
1: only time i played fifa and call of duty like it was a casual thing for me because mm. that's like where everyone was playing yeah but yeah cool
0: (laughs) dude there's there's no segue just to be dear listener there is no possible segue we could come up with the only one that i actually was going to jump in on was when you were talking about soccer and you said the word running and i was going to say what if gamecube games were running in handheld mode that was the closest i could come up with in that whole segment (laughs) this is why we
1: record in the morning and also like both of us are running on no sleep. This is <laughs> it's like,
0: true. it's so tr- Like true. I know
1: people like the chaotic after hours recordings, but this is just like you're getting nothing this time. <laughs> you're getting you're getting cicada shells of what once video game podcast hosts.
0: Yeah, you're getting a car with uh with uh, no price tag on Kelly Blue Book right now. <laughs> 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 they, they won't even tell you how much it's worth. <laughs> Just hook it directly up to that big magnet that dumps it in the trash. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the one the one where all the Toy Story characters died in or almost I was I was
1: thinking of Brave Little Toaster, that bizarre uh, musical number in the dump.
0: Yeah, man. That movie was dark for some reason, too. In the sequel, they go to Mars. They do go to Mars. It's like when Babe went to the city. Anyway, can you believe that that movie was directed by the guy who did Mad Max (laughs) and Happy Feet? Right, and Happy Feet,
1: that's amazing. What an inside of us are two pigs,
0: (laughs) one on a farm and one in a city. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right, what have you got for me? Okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath, and on dear listener, you take a deep breath too. Let's just get the fuck out. Yeah, 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 let's just (laughs) smash the eject button on this. Video games, gaming, interactive media. All we right. had
1: to we had to start a new recording because I began the last time going I'm like I can't <laughs> I can't do that to AJ I can't just like get myself pumped up by screaming. <laughs> At least this time there was like stuff before it, you know.
0: Okay, dear list, we're gonna take one more deep breath. <laughs> I look, I don't want to be too mean, but Stephen ruined it. <laughs> we had a clean out. And now we're saying right we say again. every week, share your feedback with
1: us, and I'm accepting your feedback. Okay.
0: <laughs> I, don't like I don't like that. I don't like that's not the reaction to a deep breath. <laughs> what is a man? <laughs> a miserable
1: pile, a of pile of secrets. But enough talk. Have a deep breath.
0: Um, Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. right. I have been using the Ein Odin 2 handheld emulation system. That's not even what it's called, really. Uh, I brought up last week that uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff on retro handhelds, which I'm always doing. Uh, I I talked a lot about the rabbit hole, the abyss, etc., etc. I'm really trying to steer clear of just, like, collecting these things. I've been giving them away to people. I've just been getting rid of them. I really want to pare it down to, like... If I have one, it serves a really specific purpose. Um, Shout out to our friend Chris Plant, who I just saw yesterday, who graciously accepted the MiU Mini, the original MiU Mini, the small one, which is which is nice. So that's out of the house now. And I think I only have one more. Turn it around to look. Yeah, I only have one more to get rid of, which is great. That having been said, I brought up last week. I have the Miu Mini Plus, which I really like. Keep in the pocket all the time. I'm playing Golden Sun on it. I'm playing Pokemon Unbound on it. It's really great for like Game Boy Advance era, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, like that stuff. Um, I'm not really playing like Super Nintendo, Genesis. It runs all that stuff, but I'm not really doing that. And they just added support for Nintendo DS and Pico 8. And I'm kind of not interested in playing either of those systems on there either. Very happy for the people who only have the Miu Mini Plus, because that's a great way to do that. Games like Chrono Trigger probably awesome like the ds version of chrono trigger yeah. probably awesome on the me mini plus anyway i have that at the retroid pocket flip that's for like kind of the next bump up that's where i'm playing games like dragon quest That's where i'm playing psp stuff like the trails games i think it's a really good device because it fits in my pocket on the subway and i can play like long rpgs with that cool very portable both of those systems very portable i have them for different things but there's the bump up there's like the dream i've always had of being able to just like play a gamecube game play a ps2 game with like no frills not really needing to like tinker with settings too much um and i've had a bunch of devices over the years that have purported to serve that purpose i think the first one for me was the ein odin one i had the ein odin pro and it was like fine It was, like, pretty good, but it just, like, wasn't powerful enough to do a lot of that stuff. Like, whenever I would load up a GameCube game, I'd, like, need to go tinker with the settings a whole bunch to get it to run at, like, the native resolution. You know, the, like, 480p that it initially exported at. And that that process of, like, going in and needing to tinker on a game-by-game basis is just not fun. It just prevents you from wanting to do anything. Like, that amount of friction will prevent you from playing anything. So, the thing that I ended up playing the most on that, actually, was the Sega Dreamcast before we had our modded Dreamcasts. I was playing a lot of that stuff handheld, which was nice. And that ran perfectly. Um, But that's not super hard to emulate. And I was like, why do I have this kind of like big, chunky device that doesn't really play a whole lot of the stuff that I want to play without like a lot of work? The next device after that for me was the Steam Deck, which was exciting, I think, from the perspective of like, cool, I can play Steam stuff and PC stuff. But the thing that was really exciting to me was this thing is a beast. It is a powerhouse like for the price It was unbelievable how much power was in that thing. And it should have been really easy to emulate games with it as well. And like if I wanted to play anything higher up than, you know, the Dreamcast, for example, that would have been the way to do it. But I have found over time that I really only like it for playing PC stuff. The emulation stuff, I again, I need to go like tinker with settings all the time. I think one of the things I didn't bring up on the episode or any episode, but is like worth shouting out. That's how I played um, Paper Mario in the Thousand Year Door was via the Steam Deck. Yeah, and I just had a bunch of issues with it, like throughout the whole game. Like there were graphical glitches all the time. There was like a bunch of weird stuff like it just it wasn't I don't need it to be perfect, but I would like at least like a pretty accurate representation of what a game is. And that I mostly got with Thousand Year Door, but with That game and a couple other games, there are things that are distracting that will pop up here and there when playing them on the Steam Deck, which I'm always like, this is frustrating because it's so powerful. You should just be able to like brute force perfection out of it.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I didn't have any issues with that game, but there are other GameCube games I've tried to play on the Steam Deck that have similar issues.
0: Yeah, like initially that's how i was gonna play twilight princess for our bonus and when i loaded that up it has all this weird stuff where like the map doesn't work right the amount of rupees you have also is like wrong or always set to zero or just doesn't show up at all there's like a bunch of
1: turning into a wolf for some reason (laughs) i keep turning into
0: a wolf oh my god nobody can see me when i talk to npcs it's like i'm not even there my psychic is kind of mean but like in a fun way (laughs) i just have found that experience to be more frustrating than liberating which is what i was hoping for. So when they announced the Inodin 2, I was a little bit trepidatious because I've been through this before with the Inodin 1. I didn't really have the experience I wanted to have there. But when the reviews started coming out, the thing that everybody said about it was like, this thing is so powerful that we actually don't really know the limits of what it can do. Oh wow! What we're really limited by is the software itself. So like the emulators, like the, the software that people are developing to emulate these consoles is actually the limitation here, which is kind of an exciting place to be before I even get into talking about that experience um, because I've heard from a bunch of people who like wanted me to talk more about what it's like to use the inodin 2 on this episode um, I have a bunch of thoughts I just want to say from the outset this is like such a niche device I promise like this is not me pitching anyone on the inodin 2 it is for like a really small subsect of people there are probably other better devices like the retroid pocket 4 plus is going to start shipping this week that is about 150 to maybe even 200 dollars cheaper than this and also plays gamecube and PS2 like perfectly. So, just a heads up on that.
1: I have a quick just general emulation question. Yeah. Cuz
0: you're you're much more knowledgeable
1: about this than I. Is it right to assume that right now like the level overall the level of emulation is caught up to like ps2 gamecube era like that's like kind of the cutoff of like guaranteed performance in a sense
0: yeah yeah i actually that's like a, that's a pretty good way of putting it like that stuff in particular is gonna run perfectly if your machine can handle it got right it. like if you have like a windows pc that's all specced out like you could play gamecube stuff at like 4k if you wanted to because that emulator The Dolphin emulator, which plays that stuff and the stuff for Nintendo Wii is like, it's just at a point where you could play that stuff pretty much perfectly. They have like almost the entire library covered. It's great. Um, That team is amazing. The PS2 side is a little bit iffier because there are a couple people developing emulators. The most famous one on Android was called, believe it or not, Aether SX2 um, that ended up uh, getting like shut down. Like the person who was running it, I think got a bunch of death threats and stuff and was like, oh, this isn't worth it. I'm out. Goodbye. Yeah. The last build of Aether SX2 is still amazing. And I have run everything that I've wanted to pretty well with it. Um, But there are other PS2 emulators out there that people really like. That having been said, just to answer your question, the PS3 emulation scene is starting to really come up and has improved a lot in the past couple of years. Same thing with the Xbox 360 emulation scene, the original Xbox emulation scene. So we are kind of like, the cadence that we've been on for a while is still continuing, which is interesting. So I think, you know, come back in three or four years, and we might be talking about the Einodin 5 that runs (laughs) Xbox 360 perfectly, you know? It's interesting that we're getting there. The weird outlier here, obviously, and I brought this up a little bit last week, but the weird outlier here is the Nintendo Switch, just because that thing is like, almost running on android you can just kind of port stuff to it very easily or like at least the emulator has been uh developed at a pace that i think is much faster than any other emulator i've ever seen in my life where like the speed at which people are getting things running is like oh man this was kind of a a big news item when it happened but like metroid dread isn't even out yet it has leaked on the internet and it is already running better on the steam deck than it will on the switch things like that um yeah That's, that's where the switch emulation scene is at. That is really, as I mentioned last week, that's like not even a gray area. That's like, just don't (laughs) go there area. Yeah. Because that stuff is available. And yeah, I think like, you know, support it while you can, but I am glad that that development has been improving so rapidly because eventually when Nintendo is like, hey, we're shutting down the Switch eShop, it's nice to know that the entire Nintendo Switch backlog will be playable on most devices pretty much immediately when that happens. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the same thing that happened with the 3DS, you know, exactly. where like yes. I think if it were up to Nintendo, like a lot of that stuff would just be unavailable, like right. completely, you know, yeah. so it's not an ideal scenario where like game preservation is entirely up to emulation, but I'm glad it's there for that reason reason.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the thing the thing with the Switch also it feels a little bit like the Dreamcast, you know, which we talked a lot about in our episode with plant and also in our own episode where we covered the whole library, but like the Nintendo, the Nintendo dreamcast. Oh no. The Sega dreamcast (laughs) run. (laughs) The Sega dreamcast had no DRM in it at all and allowed people to just burn their own copies of any game they wanted to on a CD. They got from like radio shack or Best Buy or like even a Walgreens and just put it in their dreamcast and like pirate those games. It's unfortunate that the switch is having that same thing because I think the, you know how much does it hurt when you do that with tears of the kingdom uh, who can say but i do know that it does hurt the indie scene right like when a game like i don't know pick anything the spelunky comes out you know spelunky 2 comes out and a bunch of people pirate it instead of buying it that's where it hurts and that's where it becomes bummer.
1: Yeah. it's all, i feel like too the switch is notably more involved like there are a lot more indie games that are like i yeah. feel like coming out on steam and switch is kind of the new norm in some ways exactly
0: yeah yeah um so that that's where my concern lies with i think the the rate at which the switch emulation scene has kind of popped up i will give a shout out to our friends over at mac stories um who have been talking a little bit about switch emulation recently and also coming at it from like the most clean cut way you possibly can which is like having a, a modified console so you can specifically dump your own copies of games off of the switch and onto other devices so they can like keep up you know their saves and sync them back and forth between places stuff like that i think is like that's fine to me but when you're like hey i'm gonna pirate you know the new super giant game or whatever that's where i'm like what the fuck (laughs) you know don't pirate hades 2 don't pirate hades Uh, (laughs) 2 don't do that also it it is worth mentioning the 3ds emulation scene also like pretty rock solid that's by the same team that's doing the switch emulation um and it's really well developed and good uh so shout out to them anyway i have been kind of looking for a long time for a device that could just play GameCube and PS2 stuff like really well mainly because I just want to revisit a lot of my favorite games and there's no way to do that Uh, there are games that I've thought about all the time and like have always wanted to bring to the show that I just couldn't in fact actually a a great example of this is when I brought Lord of the Rings the Third Age to the show yes the reason that happened is because with the Ion Odin one I was trying to play Lord of the Rings the Two Towers and Return of the King which were these like amazing almost gauntlet style hack and slash games where you played through those movies uh, with like you know a party of four and you would level up all your character like you would level up your Aragorn and your Legolas and your Gimli and stuff and it was like just so fun and silly and a game I dumped tons and tons and tons of hours into when I was a kid. Um, Try not to be bitter because you know what my experience was with Lord of the Rings games.
1: Yes. I rolled a dice and got a one and got the uh, Fellowship of the Ring game where it's like which is by the team that made Lord of the Rings Gollum last year. Yeah, and it might as well be a prequel to Gala. I mean, it is in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's just... The Shire and doing shores and it's like inscrutable how to proceed in that
0: game. I've, I yeah. never got past the Shire. I did end up playing that game after that episode, just yeah. based on your converse- based on your your experience with it. And uh, boy, is it rough! <laughs> that game <Yeah>. is rough. <laughs> it um, is not fun. Yeah, go listen to that episode if you want to hear about the breakdown between like the two teams that were allowed to make Lord of the Rings games because it's like fascinating, and that's why we're getting things like Gollum. It's so weird. Anyway. Yeah. I wanted to play Lord of the Rings The Two Towers really bad and I couldn't on the iNode, and so I was like let me see this other Lord of the Rings game I've never heard of called The Third Age and lo and behold there you go you get and not Gimli um, <laughs> so it also is worth mentioning like you and I are playing through a majority of the GameCube library for our big GameCube retrospective sometime this summer for the launch of the next season of this show and I wanted a way although I'm really particular about like if it was made for a big screen I want to play it on a big screen I like the idea idea of that versatility, kind of the Nintendo Switch style versatility of being able to like yeah. plug something into a TV, but also take all my save files and all my data like on the road with me if I want to. And when the iNoden 2 was announced and people were talking about how great it was performance wise, I was like, oh, OK, it sounds like this is kind of the one. So I did it for those reasons. Like those are all the reasons that I have gone into picking up an iNode 2. I, For me, it is worth the money for the things that I'll be able to do with it. Like actually right before we recorded this episode, I did like a little test stream where I was playing um, um, prince of persia the sands of time on the gamecube and then ratchet and clank on the ps2 um, like plugged into the capture card streaming 1080p widescreen hacks enabled like all of this stuff and it just like ran perfectly and i was using one of my wireless controllers that i have from a bitdo and it was just like great and that just means that like we'll be able to play more stuff on stream from the gamecube until we get eventually modded gamecubes which i think will be like the tightest thing ever but just this versatility being able to be like okay i want to play through all of wind waker for example i'd like to play it mostly on a tv but if i'm going on vacation this weekend or something it'd be nice to be able to take my save with me and like keep going that's why i wanted the inodin 2 yeah and what has worked for me the most about this device and the thing that it that that makes me hesitantly recommend it to people again it's I think a little bit too expensive for what it is. But the thing that makes me hesitantly want to recommend it to people is it just doesn't require that tinkering at all. Like it just is so powerful that any game you boot up, if you are comfortable with it playing at like the native resolution, it will run flawlessly. And in my case, everything I've run on the GameCube, I've run at 3x resolution, which is bumping it up to 1080 with widescreen enabled. So it's, you know, full 1080p which rocks and also the ps2 i'm bumping up to 1080 as well with widescreen enabled and it just doesn't slow down and it just is fine across the board and it doesn't require me going in and being like okay what's the like graphics back end that i'm using do i want any aliasing on or off like do i need to enable these hacks do i need to go into a spreadsheet on a subreddit and see if like there are a couple settings here or there that'll make it run well um the answer to all of that is no it just it just works and that's kind of been the dream for me for a long time just to be able to re-experience these games that i really really love and like miss dearly but also in the case of gamecube be able to like expand the horizons and see more of it um yeah. so on the inodin 2 i i fucking love it like it is great and what i love most about it again is the power overhead is so high that like i don't even know what this thing will be capable of in a couple of years so i mean stay tuned i guess but just like keep an eye out for people talking about the inodin 2 i'll be interested to see when or if they they release an iNode in three anytime soon because it seems like they wouldn't really need to because this thing is pretty ridiculous. Just a quick note on price: the one that I bought, three hundred and seventy dollars. A little bit too expensive, I think, for what it is. But I like it a lot. All the stuff that I'm talking about, all the things that you can emulate, you could do that on any computer. Not any computer, but a lot of computers. You could just do that. That's where I played Twilight Princess. By the way, it was on my Mac. It was great. I had a good time with it.
1: What a world! Would you have ever believed that when you were in high school?
0: No, no. How wild is that? <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I I've, I've been interested in emulation for a really long time. Weirdly, yeah. I first learned about it via my dad, which is weird. I don't know when or why this happened, but one day I remember signing on to our computer like, you know, in, in the early 2000s, like you had the computer room, uh and mm-hmm. that's just where the computer was and I remember logging onto the computer, and my dad was like, "Oh, check this out." And he like double-clicked on a thing he had on the on the the home screen, on on the desktop, and it just opened up a NES emulator. And that's like where I played like a bunch of early Nintendo games for the very first time uh, and I was terrible at all of them and there were so many. I mean, it's a classic <laughs> problem. It's like almost the Netflix problem. There's like, there were so many that I didn't know what to play ever. Um, So the ones I got fixated on were just like ones I couldn't even tell you what games were the ones that I played a lot of, but there are some that are just like seared into my head. But ever since then, I've been interested in emulation. That's how I played things like Pokemon black and white, I think, for the first time also.
1: I actually got into the first time I used an emulator was I think in 2008 where I got my first laptop for, you know, I was graduating high school, going into college and I got a MacBook uh, sealing my fate as a non PC gamer, which would haunt me later in life having a game podcast yeah. than the steam deck redemption of course but anyway like <laughs> when i had that there really weren't i mean especially in 2008 that was right like the macbook pro had just come out for the first time and like <laughs> that could kind of run some stuff but like macbook in 2008 there were basically no games for it so i downloaded a super nintendo emulator yeah and that, that's actually i think where i played final fantasy 6 for the first time mm. was on my macbook and uh, i had a bunch of other games mega Man X. I also primarily played on my MacBook and I had a few favorites like Donkey Kong Country. Honestly, I mean, I had, we talked about Donkey Kong recently, but like I had that sort of uh foundational experience with my family, but then I played a lot of it in college. Like if I just, that was like, you know, if I was just like in the lounge hanging out, I would be playing Donkey Kong Country on my yeah. MacBook.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, also, for me, famously, that was uh, amongst my friends. That was how I played uh, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels for the first time. I oh, just yeah. I spent an entire summer trying to beat that game without save states on a Super Nintendo emulator. But that was that was like how I went back and started to it almost feels like the the like bedrock beneath the foundation for this podcast. But that was like when <laughs> I decided I was going to go back and revisit all the Nintendo stuff that I had missed because I grew up with a Sega Genesis and then a PS2. So formative. Shout out to that. I think this podcast
1: officially began in 2013 when I brought my 3DS to your cafe that you yeah. looked at.
0: And I was yeah. like, do you want to hear about Lucina and Fire Emblem? And I was like, I only play Animal Crossing.
1: It's the <laughs> I was like, only give me, game
0: on my 3DS. <laughs> give me seven years, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, can I tell you about a game I've been playing on the
1: Inodin 2? Please, I cannot wait. This is, I cannot wait to hear about this game that I haven't thought about in years. Yeah. Please, feed me.
0: Okay, so I don't, look, here's the thing. Again, you you have the capacity to play so many games on these devices. <laughs> <laughs> and you just look through the catalog and there are two versions of of a, a, an idea that goes through your head. Version number one of this when you're clicking on something to play it is I want to see if it runs on this device cool the thing about the iNode 2, it kind of removes that question because everything runs so well. But I was still just kind of poking around doing that thing. Version number two is like, I actually want to play this on this device. And I'm getting yeah. to that with other things. Uh, I'm like playing through Kingdom Hearts again, which is amazing to have that handheld oh, yeah. actually instead of the horrible cloud version that Square Enix <laughs> decided to release for $90 on the Nintendo Switch. That doesn't work. Also, that's the karmic balance of getting
1: Sora and Smash. Something had to go a little wrong. Yes. With, with the other side of it. Yeah.
0: I feel like I am personally making the world a better place by playing it handheld on the iNode 2 um, <laughs> anyway the game that i booted up just to see if it would run that i've never played before and never had an interest in playing before is rockstar games presents bully a game that came out in 2006 and i didn't know this but everywhere else in the world is called canis Canum eat it which is Latin for dog eat dog. Wow. Isn't that that's weird? A good su- yeah, that's a good subtitle. OK, so that was the subtitle in the States. Technically, like if you look at the box art, it says bully. And then you have the Bullworth Academy, Bullworth Academy is where the game takes place. Bullworth Academy insignia. And in the insignia, it says Candace Canem eat it. But apparently just everywhere else in the world, that was the name of the game, which is wild <laughs> that um, rocks which like just call it Bully or Bullworth Academy. I don't know. Anyway, this is a game I've like literally never had an interest in playing. Uh, it, it has never once crossed my mind that I should go and revisit this other Rockstar Games thing that I've not played before. You and I have talked about Rockstar stuff in the past. I think generally speaking, like not all of it works for us. It, freq- it more frequently doesn't work for us than works for us.
1: I feel like we're in this and we're really not trying to be like, I actually like this one, but I feel like you and I tend to like everything other than GTA more. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Right. Yes, Like
1: I definitely, I think GTA is a very important series just in terms of game history. Yeah. Like I feel like GTA three is like partially responsible for open world games as a genre. So like, I definitely admire them, but yeah, I just never, I don't know. I feel like, uh, there was always like a, a, a mean spirit to them that put me off. You know, it feels yes. like here's every wrong lesson to learn from Tarantino quite often, <laughs> you know, I know which you is mean. maybe unfair. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't like, I haven't played a lot of the main stories in a lot of the GTA games, but I love Red Dead Redemption and I have played a little bit of bully, but it was forever ago mm. and it was at a friend's house Probably in 2006. Yeah. I remember there was a lot of controversy around this game like right away because this is like in the thick of, I mean, maybe not in the thick of it, but this debate of like, do games cause real life violence ebbs and flows throughout history i mean yeah. i think it really took off in the 90s obviously but like when we were growing up in the early 2000s it was also pretty common and gta was like the target of a lot of it you know in some yeah. ways i feel like that was our generation's doom whereas like here's this like really to be fair very violent very uh, uh disturbing game I can imagine now that I'm older being a parent and seeing my child play a game where you're just running over people and like throwing a bomb into a building being like, maybe not that one. Maybe we can play uh, Simpsons road rage instead. Yeah. Um, Right. From a certain lens. It's like, here's a game from the people that made GTA about like a mean kid at school. Yes. And it's like all the alarm bells go off.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like the perfect storm kind of game that they could have released. Uh, Right. I remember disbarred attorney Jack Thompson tried to uh, get this game actually like removed from sale in the United States, at least he, he was like, for those of you who are maybe too young to remember this, which is definitely possible. He, he was a guy who was like, specifically an activist against video games. And he was like the leading proponent of the idea that video games cause real world violence. And he hated bully. <laughs> he like, man, he hated bully. Uh, I'm actually I'm on the Wikipedia page right now for bully. And uh, in 2007, this is a quote from wikipedia in 2007 yahoo games listed it as one of the top 10 most controversial games of all time yeah which is pretty wild so all of this like floating around bully i just have never really had an interest in playing it i did i did play all the gta stuff like growing up at friends houses and stuff i i ended up playing four and five of my own volition when they came out i think when a gta game comes out like in general it's kind of hard to avoid that marketing blitz that happens even if you don't own it you'll play it you know like there and Knowing you and I, like the curiosity eventually takes hold and you're like, oh, sure. Why not? I'll give it a we'll shot. We'll
1: play six for sure. Yeah. When that comes out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like you said, I mean, the the, the things that Rockstar has put together that I'm al- always the most interested in are like the weird non-GTA things like like L.A. Noir and Red Dead Redemption and like Midnight Club, their racing game. Like that's what didn't they do that? They did that ping pong game, table rock ten- Rockstar games or Rockstar table tennis. Like
1: they also made uh, Austin Powers for the Game Boy Color. Uh, is that true? Just- just for the record. Yeah, they did. It's not to remind them of that, but that does exist. Wow. Yes. Oh yeah. It
0: was called O Behave.
1: Yeah, it's it's not even really a game. You play like rocks, paper, scissors with Dr. Evil. <laughs> it's it's like shovelware, basically. That's amazing. Wow. Uh I did I my, my trolliest moment on the internet was Rockstar tweeted like what's the game you think of when you think of Rockstar? And I replied to them with Russell Oh, behave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was me actually holding it. It wasn't even just
0: like the Wikipedia picture. It was like, I have this. That and probably made at least one person at Rockstar Games right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope that was my intention. I was not trying to <laughs> cause trouble.
0: Um, I was not trying to be a bully. I, okay? yeah. Oh, great, great. Perfect. Thank you. We're back. Um, so bully, bully is a game, again, I really have had no interest in playing, Um, but I booted it up in the uh let's see if this runs on the odin kind of camp and first of all it did it ran very well and i started watching the opening cutscene, and uh it involves this kid uh, named jimmy hopkins james jimmy hopkins uh sitting in the back of his uh mom's new boyfriend's car I think and they're just like berating him and telling him how much he sucks as a kid and he's like he's really just like dunking on this new guy that his mom is dating and they drop him off in front of the gates of Bulworth Academy and this woman comes out who is I think like the assistant to the dean of Bulworth Academy and is like welcome to Bulworth Academy we're gonna whip you into shape go meet the dean change into your uniform and as soon as you like walk into the front gates kids try and beat the shit out of you like within (laughs) seconds it's like the first thing that happens in the game is like like as they're like okay you know you walk into the gates and right in front of you you have to like cross this kind of square and in front of you is the actual school building uh where all of your classes will take place and it's where you have to go meet the dean and as soon as you take like four steps like a bunch of kids with like untucked shirts like uniforms kind of like ripped apart they just like come out of the woodwork to try and beat you up and they introduce the fighting system immediately and i was shocked at the fighting system i think because like it's it's really similar to what they had in san andreas yeah but the thing about it that really works for me and the and the thing i think that really just like glommed me onto this game pretty quickly was it just feels like scrappy and slow and real in a way that i wasn't expecting like gta Mm -hmm. i think is coming from the perspective of like kind of always being arcadey even when they're trying to be realistic it's always going to be a little bit arcadey and bully is almost doing the opposite where the game is not trying to be realistic at all but anytime you're fighting with somebody it's like your punches are slow when you like knock a kid to the ground like the animation is so fluid and weird and like the kinds of attacks you do don't make you feel cool at all it just looks like actually kids fighting in middle school Mm -hmm. you know and it's a little bit like brutal and it's a little bit slapstick and comedic in a way that I wasn't really expecting. It all kind of blends together and becomes this strange version of like an eighties high school comedy in my head. Mm. So after, after that sequence, you know, you go meet the Dean you go changing your uniform you meet a bunch of kids at the school I won't like go through the whole story obviously but like you meet a bunch of kids at school and stuff and they start introducing all the systems of the game to you because this is a rockstar game so there is kind of a quote-unquote open world aspect to it but for the most part that open world is just like the grounds of the school and eventually when you get far enough which I have at this point when you get far enough you get to like go into the town adjacent to the school and they start introducing all these systems and the systems are like if you go to your classes on time you can do mini games for different classes and those mini games if you do well enough in them will unlock other things that you can do like just as a kid running around school so like if you do really well in chemistry for the first time you uh, are able to create stink bombs and like now you have the ability to like go use a chemistry set and make stick bombs. Fun, weird, good. If you uh, if you like go to gym class, you will learn a bunch of wrestling moves, things like that, that just like kind of expands your options and allows you to explore the world in different ways or at least interact with people in different ways. And that's fun by itself. Um, but that those classes are like on an actual clock like there's a clock on the top left corner of your screen that is actually moving it's moving pretty quickly and you might be like in the middle of a story mission because there is a story that's happening here alongside all this but you might be in the middle of a story mission and then you know the clock strikes one and like oh my god my art class is at one and you're like all right sorry about the mission i'm out of here and you just leave the mission as you're in the middle of it and just run to your class and then you know you get a pop-up that's like hey you're gonna have to start this mission over it's like dude I got to go to class because who knows what weird, <laughs> who knows what weird Punishment. thing I'm going to get for yeah. this, you know? So that's cool and weird by itself. I like the, I like the time period this game is set in, in that it doesn't really have a clear one, but there are elements of like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s all happening simultaneously. Like the dress style of some of the characters feels very 60s to me. There are implications that there are like maybe cell phones or something like that. There are greasers for some reason that are like one of the, one of the, uh, Uh, like cliques that exist on the campus um they have all these different cliques there's like the greasers there's the preppy kids there's uh the uh like the nerds and then there's i think just also they're called the bullies and then there's also the townies and those are the kids who don't go to Bullworth who live in the town and they hate the kids that go to Bullworth, which I kind of love in a weird way. It reminds me a lot of like the New Jersey high school rivalries that we had. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, it runs, I'm glad you brought up Ico earlier because I was actually going to bring it up in this segment also, but it, really feels like a game that is actually trying to be a little bit too much like gta at times whereas they could have paired it back a little bit and just like told a better story that isn't as bogged down in the like oh my god what am i going to do in this moment i only have you know x y or z minutes before my next class starts or before you know the the people who are like the truancy officers who are walking around are going to like you know ship me back to the school or something i just keep having flashes of Persona 5 in a way where like it feels weirdly like a prototypical version or like a prototype version of Persona 5 where like you could go into your room at any moment and you could sit down at a workbench and you can bake a bunch of stink bombs and, you know, get more ammo for your slingshot and do all this stuff. Or alternatively, you can go and like help out, you know, one of the kids who is getting bullied on his way to class or something. Or alternatively, you can go do a main story mission and you need to make that decision every single day. And if you don't do it, you just miss it. And there it goes. It's I think it's like a really ambitious and interesting idea. And it is significantly more interesting to me, at least than what GTA is usually doing um at least in this era of gta because this era of gta is like three vice city san andreas and the stories spin-offs of all of those games that is like amazing when it comes out but bully to me feels like a much more focused much more interesting way of taking that approach to video game design Bringing it to a new place and imbuing it with new mechanics for interesting reasons that I think serve the idea more than hurting it. And it's the it's the times every once in a while where it's like you introduce a click system and you introduce like literally it, it rates how close you are with those factions over time as you do different missions for them or against them. So like if you help out the nerds, it makes the bullies hate you more. So you don't have as much clout with the bullies. Uh, so the bullies might start attacking you on site. Things like that are tied to story missions instead of being tied to, like, side stuff. So if I go out of my way to, like, I don't know, bully a bunch of kids, the bullies don't like me anymore. I just look like an asshole to myself, you know? Yeah. All that to say, just to take a step back, there is a lot of stuff that is very 2006 about this game. Like, I would not recommend to most people, like, hey, go play this game. It's completely unproblematic like it is deeply problematic in a lot of ways but i've been really surprised i think by just the high level character study believe it or not of jimmy hopkins because he is a kid who like isn't a bad way and he's coming from a bad family situation and and like his home life is clearly terrible and they dropped him off at this school just to like essentially get him out of the house and forget about him like they're like hey you're somebody else's problem and his version of bullying quote unquote is like i only do it to the people who really deserve it you know so like for the most part, you are a kid who looks a lot like a bully. I mean, if you've seen what Jimmy Hopkins looks like in any of the art ever over the years, you know what I'm talking about. But he like kind of looks like a bully, like a prototypical bully. But he's mostly helping people. He's mostly spending his time like preventing a kid's locker from getting broken into or whatever that doesn't mean that he's not also breaking into lockers every once in a while and doing a bunch of stuff that like would be classified as bullying definitely but they give you this big tool set of things that feels very like you know I would say like late middle school kind of shenanigans and pranks and you can honestly use most of them to just like help people instead of hurting them what ends up becoming pretty apparent over the course of the first act of the game is like the kid who takes a shine to you immediately is like straight up not using this word lightly a sociopath and like they call him that multiple times in the game like he is a kid who proclaims to want to take over the school quote-unquote lies to everybody all the time goes and like beats people up for fun like he just sucks he just is a horrible person and Jimmy kind of takes a shine to him also because he's like oh yeah this kid seems like he's kind of running the school so I might as well tack along with him until obviously he betrays you very early in the game um, because he kind of sees you as a threat maybe I don't know but what it becomes and this is the thing that surprised me and it reminds me of my same turn with the yakuza franchise where i like was coming from it like the game is called yakuza you think it's going to be kind of a gta set in japan for a little bit and then it turns out that like it's maybe this really interesting exploration of masculinity uh and and how like the patriarchy could be fucked up similarly bully is about jimmy uniting all of the cliques in school against this one horrible bully Like it is him going out of his way to make everyone happy so they can take the one person who sucks the most out of the equation, which I think is amazing like i've been really (laughs) surprised by it
1: i'm actually kind of grateful that you brought up persona and yakuza first because those are the first two games that came to mind but am i just a parody of myself at this point (laughs) being like that reminds me of persona but i it sounds like this game was 20 years too early in terms of like there's something about gta i feel like especially especially san andreas i feel like there are a lot of life sim elements to that game Mm -hmm. that are kind of in the mix of a usual GTA experience. Yeah. But it kind of feels like that's always secretly been Rockstar's interest, which is why we get like Red Dead Redemption as well which is also kind of an exploration of masculinity and about like you know what it means to be good or bad like a lot of westerns are you know that yeah. exploration and morality I, ha- I know very little about Bully but I have seen a a growing appreciation for it in the last few years and I feel like it's kind of become the like sleeper hit of Rockstar's catalog
0: yeah that's how I'm starting to feel about it at least the, yeah. the game that it reminds me most of and and I think the The real reason that it has stuck with me and has become a game that I have played for like a bunch uh, just a bunch of hours over the week at least. Um, especially on a device that has like, maybe thousands of games on it that I could be playing at any moment is that it reminds me a lot of psychonauts. Like it feels so Mm. much like specifically the, the opening hours of psychonauts when you just have, when you finally unlocked all of the camp and you can go around and just kind of explore the camp at your own volition. And like, yes, I could go do the next story mission, but instead I could just like run around and see what's going on here and collect a bunch of things and just like progress a bunch of side stories and just like see this world that double fine has put together. I feel very similarly about bully where like, there are days in which I just ignore all of the quests and I just go to the classes because the classes are fun and the mini games that are associated with those classes are fun and also I'm being rewarded for them. So why not just do that? I also think just on on the side of this game being controversial, you can play this game like an asshole if you want to. I just think and this is maybe being optimistic, but I think in the years since 2006, the reason so many people are coming around on bully now is because the the way most people would want to play the game is not like an asshole. I would imagine. Yeah. I would I hope. think in
1: a post Stardew Valley worlds, I think there's a much larger vocabulary for a game where the goal isn't just shoot and kill. Yes. It's like you can you can invest in the world. And that's I mean Yakuza, many have compared it to GTA for that exact point where mm-hmm. Yakuza is a world Similar to GTA where you can explore this city that's fully realized, but you can't just treat it like a sandbox. The game actually prevents you from harming innocent people. Right. All the all the mini games and stuff you can do endear both Kiryu and the player to that place.
0: Yeah. And similarly in Bully, weirdly enough, like yeah. they give you the opportunity if you want to, you could like go find the smallest kid at Bullworth Academy and you can like pick him up and put him in a trash can if you want to. <laughs> But immediately, you know, because they have the GTA wanted meter kind of thing, the wanted meter goes off the charts and like the police might show up, you know, like they will they will immediately throw you back in your dorm room. If you do anything like that, it'll just like forfeit everything that you had done that day. So there does seem to be just mechanically like, you know, I I think it's, it's worth highlighting and worth saying out loud, at least like if a mechanic is in a game and it's implemented in a certain way, that is another way of telling a story or imbuing a game with its themes. And to have moments like that appearing in Bully where it's like, yeah, you can take a slingshot out and go into the girls dormitory. But if you do that, you're going to get detention and detention actually does suck in this game. You know, like they are actually punishing you for being a little shit I think that's weirdly positive, even though they still let you do it in the first place. It reminds me a little bit of all the people who are asking for the ability to like kill the kids in Skyrim for some reason, like all the mods that existed on Nexus mods who were like, God, I these kids are so that. fucking annoying. Like, well, why can't I just do this? It's like, because that sucks. You know, I, I feel a little bit of that with Bully allowing you to do a similar thing but simultaneously the fact that they are like literally for real punishing you for doing that stuff I think is a little bit of a silver lining in what does suck and I mean think
1: about how GTA is designed where if you play GTA following traffic laws and not attacking anyone the game is like about to explode like right. <laughs> I think the, the the citizens just start throwing punches at a certain point if you don't yes. you know whereas <laughs> it sounds like Bully is actually designed in a way it's almost like a the positive version of the bait and switch where it's like 2006 rockstar red dead's not out yet this is before red dead yeah yeah so it's like I feel like a lot of people are going into this game with GTA in mind, but the game is designed to be more fun if you are a good kid, basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, I think I think that's what makes Jimmy an interesting protagonist in this case, because he's definitely coming in looking like the prototypical bully, but does have this really kind of unwavering set of morals, you know, like although you can make decisions to make him more of an asshole in the game, all of the cutscenes and all of the dialogue is written in such a way where he does have like a pretty strict code that he's following. Where he's like, you know, kind of like Dexter only killing serial killers, you know, and trying to not kill any civilians. Jimmy is only bullying bullies if he can help it. Yeah. And I think that is kind of profound and interesting in a way that I wasn't really expecting from this video game when I started playing it. Do you think Rockstar will ever follow up the bully line or is
1: this just like a relic from the past.
0: You are asking a question that has been asked 500 billion times since the (laughs) release of bully. Um, I have no idea. And I, I'm also one of those people asking that question now. Like I would like to see them revisit this, uh, especially in this era. I'd be interested. I I think a, a big part of it for me too, is, And you and I have talked about this a lot with other open world games, but Rockstar is definitely the studio that has proliferated and then become a symptom of the every game needs to be bigger and better model, which doesn't always work and doesn't always pay off. It does for Rockstar. So they keep doing it is the thing, right? When Rockstar is like, this is our biggest game ever. They do see the financial return that made that worth it. A lot of other studios do not. But I would like to see them go back to making smaller projects like this. It's not that Bully is small, but it's smaller than a Grand Theft Auto game by a huge margin. I think that's interesting.
1: I was gonna say it sounds like bully is almost a proof of concept where, you know, I don't know what the development of this game was like, but it reads to me as Rockstar being like, can we make a game that is notably less violent, that maybe has like the attitude of a GTA, but is actually more about all the side quests and the side and the optional stuff in a GTA. But yeah. like, is that enough to base a game
0: off of? Right. And the answer sounds like yes. Yeah. To me, to me, the answer is. Definitely. Yes. This is a it's a game I will probably play a bunch more of, which I'm really surprised to say Uh, I have been fascinated by it and I continue to be fascinated by it. It is available for a bunch of things, by the way. It's not available for Switch, which is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, There's a version called Scholarship Edition and then a version called Anniversary Edition. So Scholarship Edition is available on a bunch of things like Xbox to this day. But Anniversary Edition, weirdly enough, is available on android and ios and i have no idea how those run or perform but i do know they do have controller support so if you have any interest in checking out bully maybe that's the way to do it oh so it's on xbox i think so i think i think it's available on xbox still
1: i definitely want to check it out i feel like this is this is weirdly an into the aether game somehow yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it seems like it's still available and plays via backwards compatibility sold i'm in heads up bullworth academy <laughs> yeah it's funny the the um maybe maybe i'm wrong about where the story is going but the the box art on the microsoft store is jimmy and the dean kind of like scowling at one another the dean is like not really involved in the story at all i thought he was going to be the villain initially but it's you know it is pretty quickly revealed to be this other little shit but the dean is like you kind of have a tenuous friendship with so i don't know I just think that's it's fun, weird marketing.
1: But yeah, I, I imagine the marketing, especially in 2006, was like, don't you hate Don't yeah. school? <laughs> Aren't you adults
0: know? the worst? They make you go to
1: bed at 10. Yeah, this is the end result of all 90s marketing, basically, yeah. is bully.
0: But I think, I think it's worth, on that note, it's worth circling back around to the controversy about this game totally overblown in a lot of ways and in in a lot of ways the game is telling you to not be a bully and i just think that that's interesting
1: yeah i mean i I think it's to be clear i totally reject the notion that games cause real life violence but i think from like a parent's perspective that knows nothing about games seeing like the premise of this game after gta yeah i can see why the the red flags went up yeah absolutely Um, but I'm, i'm glad it was
0: all for naught that's bully uh, That's if you play it I don't know bring it bring it up on the show I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about it I think I weirdly think you're gonna love it like love it I think I think I will this sounds like it's perfectly for me somehow yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm just short of saying that I love it because I think I just need to play more of it <laughs> yeah but it has all of the ingredients of a thing that I would normally love it reminds me a lot one of my favorite movies of the last year uh, w- was uh, the holdovers by Alexander Payne I'll give a shout out to our friend Brendan we have a text chain where we just talk about the holdovers all the time it's a great movie uh and it's about a bunch of rich kids who uh don't get to go home for Christmas break and Paul Giamatti is like a a kind of like the meanest teacher in school and has to oversee all the kids who like didn't have families to go back to for Christmas break. Feels so much like bully in retrospect, which I kind of love. It almost makes me like it even more. Both things. (laughs) I like both things even more now. Anyway, that's bully. I think it was smart too
1: to set it in an academy. One, I think it's like easy to gamify, but also It is timeless, like you said. Yes. Because so many academies have like a dated way, like it's old buildings, old uniforms. It can kind of be whenever you want it to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I love when media is so comfortable not telling you what time or place something happens in. Uh, A movie that always comes to mind on that front is It Follows, which like, Feels like it could take place in 1981, but also there's a girl who opens up a cell phone that's shaped like a clam and has an e-ink screen on it at one point. It just like completely throws out every notion you have of when the movie takes place. I love that shit. And Bully is weirdly doing a similar thing. Not to unsettle you the way it follows is because that's a horror movie and they're trying to do that on purpose, but it's just a fun amalgam of a bunch of different time periods. If Bully was trying to loudly announce
1: it's 2006, how would it do so? I, oh, my God. I can't wait for YouTube to replace all other media websites. You
0: know, you know, the closest way they do that actually in game is you can unlock a skateboard and it just plays like Tony Hawk.
1: <laughs> but 2006, I mean, that was like the tail end of the pro skater era. That's true. You yeah, know, yeah. that was
0: you're in thug and American Wasteland era.
1: Yeah, we were we were towards the end of that of that magical time by
0: the way dear listener prepare yourself for me to bring up american wasteland at some point which is a game i've also been like dying to revisit for years and years and years. really yeah
1: I th- it's interesting because that's another one that i feel like has had a revival because that to me was like the last gasp of like the good tony hawk era yeah
0: or i think what five was the disaster yeah yeah my a lot of people really didn't like american wasteland when it came out yeah i strangely loved it my two favorite tony hawk games were four and american wasteland
1: that's a that's a good hot take, I feel. I also weirdly love Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Yeah. Specifically for the soundtrack. A great soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack. And I also love the first Underground, which is not a hot take. Yeah. And I cannot wait to replay that for the GameCube episode. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Eric fun. Sparrow, it's on, man. That also has a Jersey level. It's the first level. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> we'll get there. That'll be fun. That'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. You've fully sold me on Bully, which I... I was excited to hear about it, but I wasn't expecting to pay money for it. Afterwards,
0: <laughs> so Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to play more of it and, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Hey, I, I think, that's going to be the end of the episode for us I just want to shout out that next week I'm definitely bringing the new Prince of Persia I played the demo for that it's called the Lost Crown I played the demo for that on the switch uh, right before we started recording they do one of my favorite things that I've ever seen a demo do where they built just a little mini version of the game instead of actually showing you like the game and spoiling the story for you they're just like hey here's a little mini Metroidvania area that you can go run around and as you make your way through it you kind of unlock a lot of the mechanics that you'll get throughout the game so you can just kind of get what a, a great idea get a taste of what the full game is going to be like but it doesn't reveal anything for you and it was a fucking blast i was so surprised i've heard nothing but good things yeah i'm really excited yeah i'm also really excited
1: that the original uh, on game or not original but the one on GameCube sands of time the first three, has been on my backlog the first <laughs> here we are the first reboot sands of time i've been wanting to play for forever oh really you've never played it yeah no i never played it so like that
0: it just feels like it's all entering yeah the zeitgeist yeah oh man i'm excited for you to play that i just played a a bit of that on stream today uh and it's interesting i did play it and um it feels and looks completely different than what i had in my head from a memory standpoint which uh not a bad thing i just i've just am really surprised at what's going on there and how much it feels like a prototype for assassin's creed interesting it, yeah it's an, Wow. Yeah, it's fascinating anyway uh we'll talk we'll talk about prince of persia the lost crown next week and maybe i'll talk about sands of time if i play more of it before then can i say something too in terms of what we might talk about next week yeah my
1: biggest like video or one of my biggest video game blind spots is i have never played an assassin's creed game oh right speaking yeah. of assassin's creed i just i i haven't i don't know why i've never like it's not like i didn't want to it just never happened for me finally I've purchased uh, Black Flag. I'm very excited <laughs> to finally check it out. Yo-ho, baby. Yeah, it feels like it's in such a specific era of old. It's not old enough to be, like, charmingly retro. Just so like, oh, you missed that? Like, it's not cool. <laughs> but I'm excited for myself to finally play it. What, did you, what uh, platform did you buy it for? I got on Steam Deck. Oh, It'll it yeah, uh, probably Steam run sale. really well. Yeah. I'll probably be fine. Yeah, I actually also got Odyssey, but I got Odyssey on the PS5. Yeah. Because it was also deeply on sale, and I was like, why not? These are the two that appealed to me the most
0: yeah that's interesting that that's uh yeah black flag great that that came out at a we'll we'll talk about it more but that came out at a really interesting time where it's like the tail end of the ps3 and it came out on the ps3 and then immediately they were like here it is on the ps4 and the water looks better it was frustrating as somebody who was halfway through the the ps3 version
1: yeah i remember it came out when we were writing for a video game website and during that game of the year conversation i was the only one who chose fire emblem awakening And everyone else, it was either Last of
0: Us or Black Flag across the board. (laughs) I I can't wait for you to collect sea shanties and to talk about how much you (laughs) love to collect sea shanties in 2024.
1: Maybe should I wait five years so it's cool? I feel like it's like almost scary to bring up next. No,
0: week. I, I think I think it's got the the, the groundswell has to start somewhere. <laughs> Trickle <laughs> some water like, into
1: that basin, Stephen. This is exactly like me watching Parks and Rec for the first time in quarantine. Everyone's like, <laughs> oh, like, OK, you missed it. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel that it's way.
1: 2013 There's no love for that year right now. There will be in seven
0: years. Right. But not right now. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> and by here I mean 2013.
1: Let's <laughs> go. This this party sucks. Uh, hey, thank you so much for listening. Into the cast that online is our website. There you can find places to listen to the show. If you like us and want to help us grow, you can share the show with a friend. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, if you really like us, you can support us on Patreon. We have a lot of big plans for our Patreon in the coming months. Uh our big D&D episode that will be a companion piece to Baldur's Gate 3 in terms of bonuses that are available for everyone. Our schedule uh the next one coming up is going to be twilight princess finally very excited for that speaking of gamecube anything else you want to bring up here brendan mm, no i don't think so gonna keep it short just like the episode yeah you
0: know? i think that's a good idea um yeah just go into the cast out online and thank you for listening thank you for listening we're gonna go get some
1: much needed sleep thank you uh jimmy <laughs> for fighting the bullies <laughs> that bully us and thank you, 2013, for being a, a underloved but important year. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. That's when I worked at Starbucks. That's when I had a 3DS. <laughs> 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 bye bye. So long.